Good evening. It's good to see you tonight. So thankful you've chosen to be with us again. Appreciate Connor for preaching this morning. Next Sunday was his normal day to do that. But they will be gone to lads to leaders, and so we uh, rearranged a little bit so that he would be able to do that this week. And then I will take the pulpit next week, but uh, appreciate him, the good work that he's doing, the good work that he does with our young people, and our young people for the good work that they're doing as well. And we wish them well as they travel to Nashville next weekend and spend time there at the Lads to Leaders Convention and hope that things go well and we pray that everyone will have a safe trip up there and back as well. Now, what you see on the screen tonight, for those who do not know, is a football. Okay? Now, I know that you are well aware of that being in Alabama because we have both the Tide and the Tigers. And in spite of what we know here in Alabama from the Tide and the Tigers, they do attempt to play football in other places in the United States. At least they have a version of what they call football. One such case, though, what happened back in 2006 when two teams were playing, one by the name of Northwestern and the other by the name of Michigan State, and I don't have the football teams up there, but I do have their mascots up there, but very interesting game that took place back in 2006. You see, Northwestern, they came in and they dominated the first half, and by a third of the way through the third quarter, they were still ahead 38-3. to They were beating Michigan State 38-3. to Well, between nine minutes and some odd seconds and the end of the fourth quarter, Michigan State scored 38 points to win 41-38. to now, regardless of which side you're on, there's one lesson that, that really stands out. You have to finish the game to win. Whether you're Northwestern and you should have played better, or whether you're Michigan State and you did play better so that you were able to score 38 points in just a few minutes, the lesson that you learn is to finish the game. Now tonight, as we think about that, there is a saying or at least a motto that took place in Alabama, and I just couldn't pass this one up for, for this particular lesson, but Jerron uh, Reed, one of the defensive linemen from Alabama's last year, uh, this year's uh, national championship team, he said, finish is more than a motto, it's a mindset. That's what evidently had been preached to them. And then I like what he says. It means finish whatever we're doing. We need to finish. We're finishing at practice, finishing at workout, finishing the play, finishing the reps, finishing off tackles, and then finish the game. You know, if you're not doing those th types of things, it's going to be hard to win or be successful. And again, this year... Alabama did win the last game of the year, and that was the national championship, which goes to say, finish, finish, finish. That's our lesson tonight, be a finisher. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Joshua chapter 4, and we'll look in just a moment at verse number 10. Joshua chapter 4, verse number 10 is where we'll be tonight, but... If you remember, we have had the children of Israel, they have approached the river Jordan, we, we've talked about it being at flood stage, we've, we've dealt several things, chapter 3 is, they're there, 
chapter 4, they're crossing over into the promised land. We remember that the priests were to go down into the, into the river, and when they did, the water stopped some 20 miles upstream and stacked up on itself, the Bible says. But there's something in verse number 10 that just jumps out at you. Look at verse number 10. For the priests bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished, that the Lord uh, commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, the people passed over in haste. Everything that needed to be done to get the people across, those, those men, they stood there holding the Ark of the Covenant. Holding, as it were, the waters back because God was the one who had stopped the waters they, had, they stood there, and that phrase just jumped out at me. They stood there. They stayed there in the midst until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to tell the people. Everything was done. They finished. And so tonight, not only is it true in sports, it's also true in life, and it's true from what we read in the Word of God. Finish, 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 finish. Have you ever heard the statement, living the Christian life is hard? A lot of times we hear that statement, living the Christian life is hard. If you have your Bible, you can turn to the book of Matthew chapter 7 and look at verse number 14. And when you turn to Matthew chapter 7, verse number 14, you'll find these words reading from the English Standard Version. The Bible says, For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those that find it are few. We hear that passage a lot. We quote that passage a lot. It's the wide way and the broad way. But what I want you to focus on there for a moment is what he says. When he speaks about that way, he talks about that way, and he says that way is, number one, narrow, but number two, it is hard. What does he mean by that? Well, if you look up the word that's translated hard in this passage, it's only translated hard one time in the New Testament. There's one additional time when it's translated by the words crush. Crush. Eight more times in the New Testament for a total of ten times that the word is used in the New Testament. It's translated either afflict, afflicted, or affliction. And so when we think about the, the, the words that Jesus uses here in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verse number 14, it's almost as though he says that when you live the Christian life, when you're trying to travel the road to heaven, you need to understand that you will be afflicted. It is hard is the way that is translated. Straight and narrow sometimes if we're reading from the from the King James passage, the King James version of the Bible. And so, we understand that it's somewhat difficult for us. There are special challenges we have in living the Christian life. You know, in the first century, we had people who were persecuted because they lived the Christian life. Many of them would lose their life. The apostles, all of them except one, would lose their lives because of their faith in Christ. They, they would be put to death, some of them in excruciating ways. But the Bible teaches us that it may be difficult for us to live the Christian life. But I want you to understand something else tonight, too. 
You see, it's not just living the Christian life that is hard, but living any life is hard. Living life itself is hard. Living life is not an easy thing. Do you remember what is said in the book of Job, chapter 14, at verse number 1? Man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, at verse number 15, good sense wins favor, but the way of the treacherous is their ruin. Jesus said to live a Christian life is a difficult thing, but when we turn to the pages of Job, living any life, man who's born of woman is a few days in full of trouble, living any life, when we turn to the book of, of Proverbs, living a sinful life is a hard thing. And so when we think about it, it it's, it's difficult for us to live life at all. In the book of Matthew chapter 10, at verse number 22, Jesus again makes this statement. He said, You will be hated by all for my name's sake. And then he goes on and says the words that we need to hear. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Do you see the correlation with what we began our lesson with tonight? The one who endures to the end. The one who finishes is the one who will be saved. Living the Christian life is hard. Living any life is hard. But the one who endures to the end, that's the one who will get the reward. That's the one who will get the win in the win column. And so we need to remember that. You see, when the, when the priest walked down into the, into the water and the water stopped flowing, they, I'm sure, did not know how long they were going to have to stand there holding on to the, to the Ark of the Covenant. Remember, they, they had the Ark of the Covenant, they had poles that were put through rings, they had, simply had to stand there until all these hundreds of thousands, millions crossed over and Joshua gave the instructions. They endured, they stood, they finished until everything that God had said for the children of Israel to hear had been said by Joshua. They finished. If we want to win the game of life, we have to finish the game of life. We have to play, and we have to play to win, and we have to play to win all the way to the end of our life. But I want you to see something else tonight. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, at verse number 2, Pick back up with that word that Jesus used in Matthew chapter number 10. The one who endures to the end is the one who will be saved. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 at verse number 2. The Bible says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured. There's our word again endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured. He was willing to stay on the cross all the way to the finish line. Do you remember that some people, as they walked by the cross on that day, they taunted him. They spit on him. They did all kinds of things. But they challenged him, if you're the Son of God... 
come down off the cross. Even the men who were hanging on crosses on either side of them, they did somewhat the same. At least one of them did. You know, if you're really who you say you are, get us off this cross. But you know what? I am so glad that Jesus endured the cross. He could have quit. He could have given up. He could have simply released himself from the cross. He had already told Pilate, you would have no power over me at all if it hadn't been given to you from above. Don't you know that I could right now call down more than 12 legions of angels? They'd deliver me. On Wednesday nights, we've been talking about the, the uh, coming of the Assyrian army against the Jerusalem, and we need to remember that one angel slew 185,000 on that one occasion. Jesus said, I could call down more than 12 legions. It put a stop to this. He didn't have to endure the cross, but he did. With that in mind tonight, I want you to think of something else. Matthew chapter, or rather John chapter 19 at verse number 30. What were the last words that Jesus spoke as he hung on the cross? Seven sayings that are recorded in Scripture. Seven things that he, that he spoke while he was there. Do you remember the last of them? Certainly you do. It's found in John 19, verse 30. When Jesus received the sour wine, he said, what? It is finished. You see, Jesus stayed on the cross. He endured the cross. He finished it up. So all that needed to be done for man's salvation would be finished, at least on God's part. He still gives us the things that we have to do in accepting the salvation that God made possible on that cross. But the Bible says Jesus uttered the words, It is finished. Tonight we're talking about being a finisher. It's hard to live life. It's hard to live a Christian life. It's hard to live a sinful life. Now the results of the sinful life will continue on through eternity. But also the results of living the Christian life will continue on through eternity as well. And I want to finish, and I want to finish well. I want to finish being the winner. I want to finish and inherit eternal life with God. And so tonight, as I think about life and how hard it is, I'm reminded of something that's said in the book of Joshua, chapter 4, verse number 10. Those priests stood there holding that ark until all had been finished that needed to be done. Well, I want you to think about one other thing tonight, and that's this. This saying is not original with me. I ran across it, but quitting is an external sign of an internal problem. Quitting is an external sign of an internal problem. For example, when we talk about external signs of internal problems, all you need to do is think about a cough. You know, when you think about a cough, the cough is not necessarily the problem. The problem is on the inside. 
You know, it could be that you have simply aspirated some saliva. Now, if you're a country boy, you'd put it in more terms like this. You just suck slobber down your throat the wrong way. But you cough because of that. It could be that you have a cold. It could be that you have something more serious, such as a cancer or some other lung disease. The cough is not necessarily the problem. We, we talk about sometimes, you know, the cough that, that we've got. I just can't get rid of it. It's not the cough. It's what's on the inside that's causing the cough. And when we think about the idea of not continuing and following through, quitting is an external sign of an internal problem. Is our heart right? Have we determined to do everything within our power to be obedient to God? And no matter what, we talked about in our Bible class this morning, the integrity of Job. You know, we think about Job and his uh, patience, and the New Testament speaks about his patience, but in the, in the book of Job, it seems that the, that the emphasis is not on the patience, it's on the integrity of the man. God speaks about Job's integrity, in the book of Job, chapter 2, verse number 4. Job's wife speaks about Job's integrity in Job, chapter 2, verse number 9. Not only do those two speak about it, but Eliphaz, Job's friend, in chapter 4 speaks about Job's integrity. And then I think it's in chapter 17 that Job himself mentions his own integrity. It's integrity. He was willing to to go through the loss of his family, the loss of his finances, the loss of his own health, and maintain a relationship with God, never falsely accusing him, never turning away from him, never even seemingly being tempted to do that because he remembered who it was that had given everything. Job was the same one, by the way, in Job chapter 14, verse 1, man who's born of woman is a full, few days and full of troubles. He never quit. Integrity causes us to do that. Tonight we won't spend our entire lesson in dealing with that, but I just want you to catch hold of that. You know, as we think about this problem of quitting being an external sign of an internal problem, most of us tend to start well, but we finish poorly. You know, a lot of congregations are like that as, as a whole. We, we start well, but we finish poorly. When it comes to projects and good works that we take on to do, sometimes we start well, but we finish poorly. And whether it's on an individual basis or a congregational basis, we have to change that. We have to be the ones who will endure to the end. We have to be the ones who finish. No matter what it is we do, what it is we start, if God wanted us to do it, if it was right at the beginning for us to do it, then we need to follow through. And we need to be finishers. Individually, congregationally, 
as a nation, whatever the case may be. You see, when we don't, we've got a heart problem. We allow our heart to to become overcome sometimes with, with doubt. We allow it to be overcome with dismay, with discouragement, all of these D words. We have to work on it. We need to be finishers. That's what we're after. And so tonight, as we think about it, we direct our minds back to what they did. Simple statement, verse number 10, Joshua chapter 4. But so much of an impact that it makes in our own life. But now as we begin to wind our lesson down, I won't say end it, because several other observations that I want us to make. I want us to think about going on to the finish line. Some areas in which we could go on to the finish line that we need to go on to the finish line and not quit. You know, as I have worked with congregations over the past 30 years or so, I've seen families where a husband or a wife was not a Christian. One or the other was a Christian, the other wasn't. You know, even though the overtures of the husband and the wife may be rejected, don't give up. Don't ever give up. You see, when we, when we quit halfway through ourselves in trying to win and at least live a life that would win a spouse... We can't quit. One of the biggest problems that I have seen through the years when a husband or a wife has a spouse that that is not a Christian or not faithful is they allow the spouse to bring them down. They allow the spouse to cause them to slack off. They allow the spouse to keep them from finishing when it should be the other way around. We live a life that would encourage others, especially the one who lives in our house with us, the one who should be our best friend. We need to keep faithful to our God. How many have been trying for years to convert a friend? Not just, a, not, a, not just a family member, but a friend that you know, that you hold dear. Maybe you work with them, a co-worker. Maybe, maybe you know it's just someone who lives nearby you. Maybe it's someone that you grew up with. You know, whoever your friend is. You've worked with them for years. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. You never know what word might be said. What action on your part may be the one thing that's needed to push them forward to do what's right? Don't give up. Don't quit. You know, there are a lot of parents, and again, I've observed this through the years, who have difficulties with teenagers or or perhaps even a grown child. And, And... They fight battles for years trying to get that child to do right, to live right, to sometimes we say it this way, straighten up, fly right. 
We fight those battles and we get worn down. But we can't quit. We have to be a finisher going all the way to the end. And through this, the years that I have worked with congregations, I have witnessed situations where a person, a husband, I mean a mother and father or both, they live their whole life trying to get a child to do what was right. And it wasn't until after their death, after their faithful life and then their death, that the child ever turned back to God. I'm convinced that had mama or daddy both, either or both given up, and just thrown up their hands and lived like the child, the child never would come back. Never would become a Christian if mama and daddy, no matter how old they are, no matter how old the child is, if mama and daddy hadn't been a finisher and had given up. You know, scenario after scenario we could talk about tonight. What about marriage? Many have fought the fight of, uh, of trying to keep a marriage together. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Some feel spiritually weak and, and worn out. They have fought battles of Christianity itself for years. We can't give up. We never give up. We have to be finishers. You know, it may be that an unfaithful Christian of some other, uh, whether they're a family member or a personal friend, they resist the efforts that, that folks make to win them back. But we don't give up. We don't ever give up. We may be having physical problems and have to expend great effort to try our best to, to live a faithful life to God. Some of those who, who are the weakest physically, who are the sickest physically, set such a wonderful example for the rest of us because they expend such great effort just to attend worship services to be with God's people. We don't give up. We never give up. You see, we go on to the finish line. In every aspect of our life, we always want to be a finisher. Joshua chapter 4 verse 10 says it this way. For the priest bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, the people passed over in haste. They stood there until finished. I can't think of but one person who would be worse than a quitter. And that's a person who never starts 
at all. It may be tonight that you're here and you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. What are you waiting for? Tonight is the night. You've got to begin the journey if you want to go to heaven. If you want to finish in the right place, you've got to start the trip. It may be tonight that you know what you need to do in order to become a Christian, put your Lord on in baptism. We want to assist you with that. It may be tonight that that you've started the race, but you've fallen by the wayside. You haven't endured. You haven't kept on. Don't be a quitter. But tonight, if you need to be a starter, don't let this opportunity pass you by either. If you need to respond tonight,